You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. How's it going, Chiefs Kingdom? Welcome to episode 101 of the Great British Chiefs show with your boys from the kingdom. Representing the kingdom, myself, Brad Simcox, and fellow content creator for Arrowhead Pride, Rocky Magania. Well, this week's almost a marinated takeaway for us here on the Great British Chiefs show. Uh, we've obviously let the dust settle after an emphatic Super Bowl year for the Chiefs, against all odds. But the show ain't over until we've had our say about the magical year that they officially crowned the Chiefs a dynasty. But first... Yards again, Harrison Butker's field goal range. Mahomes, plenty of time. Looking to the middle, it's dropped again by Tony. Who should be more embarrassed? Our friend here who called 20 and 0, got a tattoo, said there were going to be a dynasty, or Patrick Mahomes? <laughs> never a doubt? Just... How about never a chance? Oh, well, that's that... a little much. Mahomes going to buy the time, circle around, look. Flipping up to the end zone, Kelsey down there, run a contact, incomplete, no flag, Packers win. It's panic time. And the only reason why I say it's panic time is because what is Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid all about? They're about winning championships. Yeah. So when you get into the playoffs, you are going to be playing really good teams, not the teams you're going to be playing at the bottom of your schedule. Patrick was 8-0, not that he can control what's happening. On the other side of it, but uh, this is going to be a win for Aiden O'Connell and this Raiders team. Did we just see a dynasty? Fa 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 fa. Feels like it, doesn't it? Yeah. Low bet. The eleven. Mahomes. Elliott cross. Race brings it into the end zone. Touchdown, Kansas City. What an opening drive. The coldest night in the history of Arrowhead Stadium. The home team warms the folks. Will make Chiefs Kingdom come alive. 44 yards pass. No, he doesn't make it. Wide right. Wow. The two most dreaded words in Buffalo have surfaced again. Second and eight from the nine. Jackson to Flowers. He dives. The ball came out. It's recovered by Kansas City. He gets the protection. He goes long and on his back to ice it is Marquez Valdez Scantling. What are we doing live? Echoes in eternity. Who's going to be hoisting that trophy? in a little more than three hours' time. Remember that they left us for dead. Remember they said we wouldn't be here. Remember they said we wouldn't be here. They left us for dead. First and 10, 49ers at the 29. Now he goes right side, does McCaffrey. This time the Chiefs, now the ball comes out late. The ball comes out.
comes out late. Kansas City pounces on the football. And it's recovered by George Karloftis. Third and 14 for Brock Purdy and the 49ers at the Kansas City 37. Snap to Purdy. Chiefs are blitzing. Purdy steps up. He's got time. Lost it for Debo Samuel in the end zone. And it's broken up and incomplete. Spectacular play by Trent McDuffie. Mahomes fakes a handoff. Now sprint out action to the left side. He's throwing on a throwback throw into coverage. Coming near side caught. It's caught by Hardman. And he's down to the nine of San Francisco. Pull down. Butker's kick. And it's a line drive kick. And it is good. 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 A 57-yard field goal by Harrison Butker. The longest in Super Bowl history. Personal protectors McKinnon. High punt. Townsend goes down and now picked up by McLeod. He fumbles it. He fumbles the punt. A muff punt. And Kansas City's got the football. He's got the football at the San Francisco 17-yard line. Chiefs have never led in this game. They fumble at the eight or they could have led. Mahomes firing for the end zone. Wide open. Cut. Touchdown. Kansas City. Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Try the PAT will be Jake Moody. They're trying to put San Francisco back up by four points. The kick is blocked. The kick is blocked. This could be advanced. The PAT is blocked by Kansas City big because it keeps it at three points. The Chiefs have third and seven at the San Francisco 33 and a half yard line. Chiefs are three by one. Mahomes crosser Kelsey 30 yard line 25 Kelsey at the 20 15 and out of bounds at the San Francisco 10 yard line 29 yards out to try to tie the game at six seconds to go Butker's kick is perfect this game is tied at 1919 22 to 19 San Francisco in the overtime Chiefs will throw it on third and one Mahomes is going to run at 30 yard line 25 20 Mahomes inside the 15 and down to the 13 yard line Shades of Super Bowl 57 when he ran down the field in pain with the ball in his left hand and a sword in his right. Second down seven for the Chiefs at the 10 of San Francisco. 22 to 19, 49ers. Now they throw it to Kelsey on a screen. Breaks one tackle. He's chased on his feet inside the five. He's driving, driving, and Kelsey gets to the four and then shoved back. 13 seconds to go in the overtime. 22 to 19, San Francisco. Cut. Play action fake. Right side throw. Kansas City wins the game! 25, 22, and the Chiefs' kingdom has started its own history class because for the first time in 6,944 days, there is a back-to-back Super Bowl champion, and it is the Kansas City Chiefs. Are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Now, uh, before Rocky and I get into this week's show, um, I know Rocky's already um, said his piece on on his shows before. Um, I just wanted to pause for a moment, obviously, to reflect on the scenes that happened after what should have been a day of celebration for Kansas City at the Super Bowl parade. Um, I was watching the parade on TV over here across the pond in the UK, 
and just basking in the achievements of this great Chiefs team. Um, I, I saw the speeches and then the screen went blank. Um, I knew from previous Super Bowl parades that this was not normal. Uh, so naturally, obviously, I went straight to social media to see if I could find more coverage of the celebrations. Uh, what I was met with uh, made me sick to my stomach. Um, and I'm, on behalf of myself and Tom, we send our heartfelt love and sympathy to those that were caught up in this horrific situation. Um, we love Kansas City with all our hearts. It's the city that's been so kind and welcoming to uh, both of us when we visited. And it's always in our thoughts every single day. And uh, the city really does feel like a second home to us. Evil clearly has no place in our home. But I want to thank the first responders for tackling the uh, the horror faced on and and to the, the Hero Chiefs fans that made sure with their own selfless actions, no more people got hurt. Um, so we just wanted to say something because I know it's been a week since the, uh, the, the, the tragedy happened and uh, we just wanted to really send our thoughts, uh, our love and our sympathies over to uh, the victims and uh, hopefully we can uh, find solutions to this and uh, we can somehow move on with this but um horrifying scenes and uh yeah we we send all our love to kansas city so rocky here we are show 101 of the great british chief show we were previously on this uh in the preview show me and tom and we were we were confident that the chiefs were gonna sneak a win out of this and I've been a bit like this all the way through the uh, the playoffs. I haven't been through the season, I'll admit. The, the, the season was a bit of a, oh my God, what are we doing? How are we going to actually overcome this in the playoffs? But watching this Chiefs team, I said that towards the end of the, the seasonal games, it felt like the championship swagger was coming back into this team. And by God, the championship swagger was back, wasn't it? Oh, 100%. And I, I said that on, on uh, social media like right before the game, I was like, we're going to rip their guts out. Like I thought it was going to be a double digit victory just because um, winning championships is a learned trait. And over the course of a season, talent wins out, but in a one game winner take all situation, having been there before and won it and knowing what it takes to win it and knowing the ebbs and flows and just the timeline of the game in general, how mm -hmm. everything takes longer and how not to get too high, not how not to get too low, how to come out of in the second half and stay locked in and to make adjustments. Like all those are things that you can't prepare for if you haven't been there before. Um, and Kyle Shanahan had been there before, but the bulk of this Niners team had it and the bulk of this Chiefs team has done it successfully now, you know, three times. Um, so I thought that this, I mean, it's just like, you know, you look at the, at the Golden State Warriors, the Jordan's Bulls, everybody, these, you learn to be a champion. And once you have that championship DNA, it carries you through, even through a talent deficit sometimes. Yeah, I think you're right. I keep hearing that heart of a champion seems to be uh, floating around quite a bit. And it's right. It's, it's quite right. You know, if you, if you've got that will, that determination to obviously win and uh, do everything right at the right moments, and uh, then you know it, it comes easy to you almost, doesn't it? It's, it's it's a very freaky situation to be in. And Patrick Mahomes and Co are in this freaky kind of zone now, where they are the team to beat, 
and nobody seems to be able to beat them when it matters. We saw it through the season. We saw a lot of emotion from uh, a lot of the teams. Whenever they beat us, it was like they won a Super Bowl. It was that that realisation that they, they can do it. They can beat this championship winning team. When you think about it, the Chiefs shouldn't have actually been in this, this situation all season. They've been the number one team with the most drops. And you saw a bit of a slowdown, possibly in Travis Kelsey. I hate saying that because he had a hell of a year. He probably led, led everything, every stat possible for tight ends. But you start to see what other people start to see sometimes, don't you? And it kind of creeps into your mind a little bit, doesn't it? That you think, well, yeah, Kelsey is losing a bit of a step and he's not really himself and the wide receivers aren't really kind of playing up to scratch and is that affecting Mahomes? I mean, we saw a lot of that going on in some of those, some of those games, especially when Kadarius Tony was dropping passes. Again, Mahomes was very vocal and you start to think, are the wheels starting to fall off? But the heart of a champion just picked up where it left off from last year and just drove his team over the line, didn't it? Oh, 100%. And, you know, yeah, I mean, one thing with Travis, the Travis Kelsey situation is, you know, he hit his top speed, his fastest top speed in the last seven years in the <laughs> Chiefs game. And it, it definitely did look like he was a step slower this season. But how much of that was due to injury, right? He isn't a, he isn't a spring chicken. But you think about he never really had any time to fully rehab his knee injury during the season. Even if time passes and it heals, you're getting smashed into on a weekly basis and you're never giving that leg any time to rest and fully get back to strength. You're just kind of, you know, doing making do with it. Uh, so it will be interesting to see with a full off season of rehab and, and rest, you know, in between, you know, con- uh, Taylor Swift concerts as he globe trots <laughs> this off season, which he's, he's earned. And I, and I'm super excited for him to have that experience um, if he comes back and his legs look a little fresher this year when he's not fighting an injury. It's a great thing to go home to, isn't it? When uh, you've had a rough day in the office and you've got Taylor Swift waiting for you at the door. <laughs> yeah, Taylor Swift and her and her cats that are worth $100 million each, right? You know, uh, I mean, every everybody's life has its own uh, struggles, right? But But, man... You Life's know. hard, isn't it, Travis? Life's really yeah. Danny, Danny Taylor Swift makes a lot of struggles seem a lot easier. I feel like you know, um, <laughs> and so I I know it's not all sunshine and rainbows, but man, there's got to be a lot of sunshine and rainbows. <laughs> <laughs> on the last time you were on the show on the Great British Chief Show, Rocky, we spoke about this Chief defense. Possibly being the greatest Chiefs defense we've ever seen. I'm going to go one step further right now. This Chiefs defense is probably one of the best defenses we've ever seen in the NFL. And the stats do not lie. And then the run through the playoffs does not lie. Do you believe that this Chiefs team is probably the best Chiefs, our best NFL defense you've ever seen? Coming into the playoffs, I, w- I was already saying that this was the best Chiefs defense yeah. in history. This you is were with better. me on that, weren't you? Yeah. 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 This is better than the, um, I think it was the 93 uh, one with DT58, Neil Smith, yeah. and all those guys. And they had set the record for the most sacks um, in a season for the Chiefs. Um, but when you, when you have the greatest defense a team has ever seen, and then that defense wins a Super Bowl because of the defensive play. 
that's when you start looking at it in a historical sense. And then when you start stacking up those other teams that won a Super Bowl because of their defense, and you see, okay, wait a minute, from a statistical aspect, this defense lines up right alongside those other ones, those 2000, you know, Baltimore Ravens teams. Um, And when you consider also that we are in such a pass happy NFL and so many of the rules are designed to drive scoring up in this league, protect the quarterback, you know, no contact after five yards, you know, you can't hit a defenseless receiver. I mean, back in the day in 2000, I mean, you could take a dude's head off. You know, he was coming across the middle, you know, you can't do that anymore. So the fact that the Chiefs have played such good defense, especially in the secondary and shut down, you know, these pass happy offenses and these star wide receivers. I mean, it's a credit to Dave Merritt and Steve Spagnuolo and that entire Chiefs secondary, especially, you know, especially Trent McDuffie and Legarius Sneed. But I think it makes it even more impressive and even proves that from a that from a talent aspect, I don't think there is any any debate it is one of the greatest defenses in the history of football i mean anybody who says that in this day and age that it's not then you're you're literally only saying that because you're you have chiefs fatigue and and you're sick of us being so good and and you're sick of patrick mahomes and now you're saying okay i had to deal with patrick mahomes now i got to deal with them having a historically great defense as well like screw these guys like i'm over it right there's like i have a buddy who lives in who lives in Hawaii is from Georgia, a diehard you know, Georgia Bulldogs fan. And usually when it comes to the NFL, he's like, Man, I'm pulling for the Chiefs. I'm pulling for you guys. For the Super Bowl, he texted me and he's like, dude, I'm so over the Chiefs. I can't do it anymore. I can't support you. I'm pulling for the 49ers. And I'm like, great. Like, hate us. Like, like, we'll take the villain role gladly. Yeah. But at the same time, it's it's it there is no doubt. This is one of the greatest defenses in the history of football. Like, and, and you, you, if you don't want to admit it, then you're literally just putting your head at the sand. It's funny you should say that about the the various different Super Bowls and obviously the uh, the other fan bases looking in on this, looking from the outside in. I suppose. Um, I remember the first Super Bowl that Mahomes won. I remember the the fans all around us who were 49ers fans at the time. Very much congratulations uh, all around from because it's the first one we've won in 50 years. It was amazing, you know, and, and there was a lot of 49ers fans who were brilliant. They were really great who uh, congratulated us and said, you know, I hope you get another one, blah, 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 you know, and um, really kind of pleased for us because we waited so long for 50 years for a Super Bowl. I mean, obviously, I didn't wait that long myself, but when you've been in and around the fan base that long, you feel like you've waited 50 years for it. You know what I mean? Um, but when they beat the Eagles, that's when I felt that this Chiefs organization could be on to a hater streak, a villain era. Because obviously when we beat the Eagles in the last the last Super Bowl 57, um, there was a lot of us from the UK who had actually flown over to Dublin at the time to go and watch the game on TV in, in a bar in, in Dublin. And there was various... NFL fans around there and the whole bar was against us we were singing songs they were singing them back and there was a lot of abuse hurled and everything like that you you kind of get the you kind of get the idea can I, can I ask what bar it was it was the Woolshed bar I think it was in Dublin I think it was the, Wool, uh, was it the Woolshed something like it was a huge place and it had like yeah, yeah, tears yeah. on it and stuff and you could we were in this little corner with a, a TV on our own there was about 30 40 Chiefs fans and the rest of the bar was all against us and we were the loudest I'll be honest with you 
we were the loudest. We were singing all sorts of stuff. When you see, I love Dublin. Well, yeah, exactly. But when you when you when you've seen Tom with a, a beer in his hand, you know he's going to be loud. But um, <laughs> but I knew from that moment. I thought, ah, right, okay, we definitely approached the villain era now because uh, even though that was only the second of Mahomes, I think people were thinking, okay, we're getting tired of this Chiefs team. This this year. This Super Bowl 58 has just cemented that. The whole dynasty dynasty talk sticks in a lot of people's throats right now. And I'm loving it. I, I, I am absolutely thriving on this. Um, and it's funny because through the season and through the playoffs and everything like that, you do get a lot of hate speak from a lot of fan bases. But right now it's quiet. Have you noticed that? Yeah, 100%. And... I mean, you can almost look at it in stages. Like you, you said, the first Super Bowl the Chiefs won, everybody's like, oh, good for Andy Reid. Like, good for the Chiefs. You guys deserve this. You guys have waited so long for this. Um, like you said, like, even though we're not 50 years old, I think there's a Mac Lethal song, right, that was the lead-up to that yeah. game. that He said, "He said I'm 39 years old, and I've still waited 50 years yeah. for this. Right? That's how yeah. it felt. Um, and... And so they won the Super Bowl and there was good feelings all around. And then they go into Tampa and they lose. And the feeling after that one was everybody saying, ha, we beat you. We beat the best team. Like you guys aren't as great as you thought you were. Brought you down a peg, didn't we? Right. Yeah. And then I was like, okay, that's fine. And that stuck in our, stuck in our, our, our craw a little bit. And then we beat the, we beat the Philadelphia Eagles. And then everybody started to, then what did everybody say after that one? Oh, you guys got lucky. Actually, Golden. the Eagles outplayed you guys in that game holding, but Jalen Hurts outplayed Patrick Mahomes. The Eagles were the better team. You guys got lucky that you won that one, and they coped a little bit. But then now we won it again on on our down year when we're supposed to, you know, two struggling. down years. Two, yeah, down, two year. down years. Like not even rebuilding <laughs> year. This is just supposed to be our down year where our offense is terrible. We can't. We, we're, we're shooting ourselves in the foot left and right. And then we go out there and we win in overtime in and, and thrilling fashion. And now all the dynasty talk is like, oh, my gosh, are the Chiefs going to be the team that three-peats for the first time, you know, in history? And and everybody's saying dynasty, dynasty, dynasty. And they're saying, whoa, 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 wait. Like, like now I think it's just caused, like, people's heads to explode where they're like, no, we, we hate this. We hate yeah. this. We don't, we don't want this. We do, Like, people, if you're not a part of that fan base – you don't want a dynasty. I hated the Cowboys back in the day. You know, um, I hated Tom Brady and the Patriots the whole time. I've said so many bad things about Tom Brady and, and Bill Belichick in my life. And so many unfounded. They get all the calls. Why, why is it every time we touch Tom Brady, it's roughing the passer? Oh, the NFL just wants, Tom, yeah, just wants Tom Brady to win. And then now they're just sitting on the other side of it and you're looking – and you're and you're kind of blinded by the glare of your Super Bowl trophies that you've just won and the mm -hmm. diamonds on your rings. And you're thinking, God, it's really nice being on this side of things. Like, like let them. They hate us because they ain't us, right? You know, like. Uh, <laughs> and I just really like being on this side of the coin. It's a lot better to be hated by everybody and have championships than to not have championships, yeah. let's be honest. <laughs> do, do you know what What all the other dynasties didn't have? Was their star tight end dating the most famous person in the world? <laughs> that, throw, throw Taylor Swift into the mix and all of a sudden, 
their hatred has just been like pouring out of everyone, hasn't it? Why are the Chiefs getting everything? Why are they getting? They're even getting the girl. Do you know what I mean? They're even getting the the most famous artist in the world dating one of the players, and she's on the screens for twenty four seconds. It's it, it's it's great, like you said. It, it it is fantastic. It's a great villain era. This. Well, and let's let, touch on the Taylor Swift effect for a second. Let's be honest. A lot of these guys who are hating on Travis Kelsey dating Taylor Swift are only hating on Travis Kelsey dating Taylor Swift because of the idea they have of who Taylor Swift is in their head and yeah. not based upon anything she's actually done, not based upon her quality of music over the last decade or anything like that. They are terrified that their guy that they like, their, their Travis Kelsey hero, is dating somebody that they associate in their 50-year-old minds with with preteen girls, even though majority a lot of grown women who grew up with Taylor Swift are now mothers of preteen girls, right? Like, you know, like they're <laughs> yeah, not exactly. they're not preteen girls anymore. But they're afraid that if they like, if they like that Travis Kelsey's dating Taylor Swift, then that groups them in with a bunch of preteen girls. And their simple toxic male minds can't wrap their head around the fact that they're not grouping themselves in with preteen girls by saying we're happy that Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey are together. And maybe Taylor Swift has made a few good songs, you know, and that she actually makes good music from time to time. They are so scared of their masculinity being questioned by it that yeah. they just, that they, they, their primordial ape brains just cannot process it whatsoever. You know, there's a video going around. I don't know if you've seen it, but there was a, a video of, of two guys who were celebrating F- Super Bowl 57, celebrating it in their own home. And they were just like, it was just two of them late one night watching the game, jumping up and down and hugging each other because obviously the game, is, you know, the Chiefs won. And then they put another video right next to it for this year. And it's the, sa- the same two guys. And they've got the daughters around them. They've got like the the, the wives with them or the girlfriends with them. And you know, it, it's such a like a family excitement kind of situation where they're all jumping up and down because they're all celebrating in the same way. And it's not just the two guys anymore. It's brought them together where even the daughters are watching the game with them as well and, and, and getting excited that the, you know, the chiefs have won another Super Bowl. It's, it's things like that where you talk about the Swift effect, which that's the plus point for me. That's the plus point of a Swift effect. There's there that has really brought parents and, 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 and kids together a lot more. Because there's two worlds have collided. And we see now that we see that there's Chiefs fans going to go and watch Taylor Swift with Chief jerseys on. Have you seen them with Kelsey jerseys on? There's, you know, this Swift effect has gone both ways. You know, all of a sudden there's there's a lot more people really interested in the music. I must admit, I'm in the car with my daughter a lot, and she's playing Taylor Swift and Ariana Grande and everything like that. And I'm I'm singing away to these songs now. Tom's Tom even said that at some point you will be singing those songs because your daughter will be listening to them. And she has. It's the Swift effect. It's brilliant. I tell you what, man. Anything like like I didn't ever really start listening to Taylor Swift until the Lover album. But we're talking Lover, Folklore, uh, what is it, Evermore, and uh, and then Midnight's. I love. I celebrate them all now because of that. I've gone back and started listening to the whole catalog, <laughs> and and you know there. I saw on social media. I saw that video that you saw, and it was awesome because it is really just kind of unifying whole families and bringing them together and really kind of growing the cheese space and cheese kingdom to a whole new demographic that they currently weren't touching at all. Um, I did see on social media that this week that there was 
a mom talking about how her son was listening to Taylor Swift and liked Taylor Swift, and he was getting bullied at school because he's a boy who really? liked Taylor Swift. Yeah, because he was a boy who liked Taylor Swift. And there was a lot of comments on Twitter of uh, people saying, well, no respecting man listens to Taylor Swift and all these sort of things. And I know this is completely off topic and off tangent, but guess what? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a grown-ass 42-year-old father of two with two good careers, and I love Taylor Swift. And so I'm a very much a self-respected man. So anybody out there who guy or anybody who might be getting picked on for, for liking Taylor Swift within earshot or knows somebody who has like, it's bull crap. Listen to what you want. Like anybody who, anybody who's picking on you for something that you listen to are picking on you because of their own insecurities and because they probably secretly like it themselves and just don't want to admit it to themselves. And there's enough crap in this world going oh, God, on yeah. that to split hairs over over if a, if, a, if a football player of ours loves a pop star like like if that's if that's what if that's really what's getting your 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 undies in a twist and giving you a wedgie then bro you just got way too much time on your hands and you need to find something more substantial to care about <laughs> Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropGPod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropGPod wherever you get your podcasts. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know what? If everybody loved the same things, it would be a very boring world, wouldn't it? Oh, 100%. Everybody would look the same. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to uh, talk about what. where did the Chiefs go from this now? Because obviously there is this talk about this three-peat, and Mahomes has been very vocal about it, even on the uh, on the stand, accepting his third Super Bowl, and he was talking about having a three-peat. That's because nobody else has ever done it before. How does Veach keep this team together right now because everybody's on a high. We all heard Chris Jones saying at the uh, the Super Bowl parade that he ain't going anywhere for the next three years possibly, um, which, uh, yeah, I don't think that went down pretty well with the Cats brothers, but uh, yeah, um, I'm sure he'll have those conversations with those guys. I think you should just sack them and just, just, sign, the, just sign the contract. Just sign it, Chris. Just do it. Just do what everybody wants you to do, what you've promised everybody to do at the Super Bowl parade. Sign that contract for a team-friendly deal. And go and get a three P and and create your legacy. How does Veach do this now? D- does he sign Chris Jones? Does he sign Legarius Sneed? What does he do? How does he keep the band together? There's a lot of balls in the air on this, right? And there's uh, there's a couple schools of thought to it, right? The first is 
this is a historic opportunity. No team has ever three-peated in history. Mm-hmm. Do you push all your chips in this offseason and go for it? Do you, do you, most teams sell the house to try to get one Super Bowl. The Chiefs haven't done that. The Chiefs have, have planned for the future. They've been very fiscally smart with their roster and their contracts that they've handed out, mm-hmm. and they've gotten themselves this far. But now you're at a tipping point of is it worth pushing it all in for one season to do something that nobody has ever done before, right? Or do you hold the line and say, what we've done has gotten us this far, right? So the the question there is, is so, so if you say what we've done has gotten us this far, then maybe you tag, you tag Snead and then you try to get Chris Jones to a team-friendly deal and maybe it works, maybe it doesn't work. You let some guys walk, you know, some things happen. If you're saying I'm pushing it all in, though, you convert Mahomes' contract, you kick the money down the down the road, you, you try to free up as much liquid cash as you can, you give Chris Jones as big as a signing bonus as you can to lower the cap hit this year, you know, and then push money into future years that may end up being bad contract years that you have to pay out, but you're saying I'm doing it because we have a chance of doing something historic here, right? And so... With that, though, there's also another side to this with Chris Jones and Legereus Sneed. Like, Legereus, I don't think Legereus Sneed is going to give us any kind of a team discount because this is his first chance to cash in being a mid-round pick, right? Like, this guy didn't have a huge rookie contract. This guy has earned his chance to go out and get a bag. And he, he knows that with his past knee injuries, there's no there's no guarantee of a third contract in the NFL, especially if you're at a such a, a like a, a a position that requires so much speed and agility, like cornerback does, right? Like especially when you're known as like a press outside man, you know, corner, especially right. Like this might be his lone opportunity to cash in. So I don't think you're getting any sort of team discount out of the Jerry Sneed. On uh, Chris Jones, on the other hand, this is his third contract. He's already had a big contract. Um, do I think it's going to be a massive team discount? No. But I think there is something in the back of his head that says, I don't want to hold out. I don't want this to trickle into the regular season. I don't want this to mess up their off-season plans and their and their flexibility to go out and do something. We're either going to get something done or we're not going to get something done. But there's something to be said for Chris Jones in the fact that I can still get a lot of money just maybe not the most money and then stick around and be able to try to go and do something, be a part of some of, of all three of these historic, you know, Super Bowls mm. and be a, be a part of all three of these super of this, of this three P and be a, the core guys that made this happen. And so I think in the back of his head, there has to be at least a little bit of a consideration. If we're talking the difference of maybe $10 million over four years, right? Like, or three years, like maybe you take the ten million dollars less to stay in Kansas City, right? If he doesn't, ten million dollars is still ten million dollars. I'm never gonna blame yeah. anybody for saying, "Hey, I'll take the ten million dollars." Thank you very much. I'll see you later. But I think that it's at least a consideration and something that he has to figure into his mindset. Um, other than that, I'm of the belief that you push all your chips in and you try to go for it this off season. Uh, you're going to have Mahomes for another decade, which means that you have at least one and a half more complete rebuilds in you, right? You know, and so if you got to blow it up after next season, 
then you then you have had a three peat, right? And then you rebuild it and maybe you try to get another three peat in Mahomes' lifetime. Um, <laughs> you're always gonna be contenders as long as you have Mahomes. But this is your chance to build that historically good team that's gonna do something that no team in the history of the NFL has ever done. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think the players are probably thinking now, let's finish something what we've started here because they've clearly quietened down the doubters, especially this year. I know they did quite a bit last year, but they've especially done it this year in this, in this playoff run because the teams that they've faced should have buried this Chiefs team. Let's be honest. They should have buried them. From, from the performances that we saw during the season, the AFC teams that were in the playoffs should have at least put the Chiefs to bed and they couldn't do it because clearly this Chiefs defence was all about winning the championships. And I think you're right. I think a lot of the players are probably thinking that, yes, let's go for this three-peat, whatever the whatever the situation is, whatever the contracts we've got to sign or whatever not sign, or even some players might even be thinking, look, I'll, I'll eke out a bit more of my contract just to restructure it, get who we need to get just to obviously get this three-peat because I clearly think that that is on everybody's mindset right now. I think you're right, though. I think Lugarius needs probably thinking, well, no, I, I seriously need the bag. I seriously need the bag here. And I, and he quite rightly needs the bag because of the way he's locked down some of the best wide receivers in the in the NFL this year. Um, I think Mahomes recognises that. I, rec- I think he recognised more than ever this year that it is a it is a team game. It is mostly a team game. Yes, okay, the quarterback's always going to get the, the biggest you know, biggest share of the cheese. But I do think that Mahomes is thinking, you know what, I want to reward these guys as well. Let's restructure my contract. Let's get the the, the people, the, the you know, Chris Jones signed. Um, let's get Sneed signed. But let's get some weapons at the same time. Um, and there's quite a few wide receivers going to be coming up into free agency this year. I'm wondering if the Chiefs are actually going to be, that's going to be where they put all the chips, as you were saying, putting all the chips in on the wide receiving side after they've signed Chris Jones and Legereus Sneed. It could be that. Um, and I think Mahomes is very much on board with that. That's definitely the right time to have that discussion with with Mahomes right now is we need to go and get you some weapons, but we also need to give you the defense, the championship winning defense that is actually going to get you, get you over that line if the offense is spluttering again. And I think he's going to be all in on that. I think this Chiefs team could go on to actually achieve this 3P. I really do believe it's on. Do you? Oh, I think they're 100%. I think the Chiefs are going to 3P. I'm putting my flag in the ground on this. Yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not going to get caught doubting like I did halfway through the season this year. I'm, I'm, I'm telling myself, no matter how bad it gets at any point next season, the Kansas City Chiefs, are like an NBA team that start trying in the playoffs and they're just going to get to the playoffs and they're going to turn it on and they're going to win another Super Bowl. The Chiefs are going to three-peat. I do think the Chiefs are going to put all their chips in. Like I said, I think they're going to, I think they will retain Snead and Jones. The problem is, is once you retain Snead and Jones, that's an awful lot of money. We're talking yeah. $45 million minimum, minimum, right? You know, so that's a um, lot of dough in it. Yeah, unless unless you find a way, like I said, to put most of it into signing bonus. That's a lot of dough, and that's really going to limit your ability to to bring to go crazy in free agency and go after one of these top flight wide receivers. Uh, which is why I think that you might see the Chiefs in offensive skill positions this year do yeah. what they did similarly in years past in the draft, 
with offensive line and like they did with the secondary, where they just they just go ham on drafting wide receivers, tight ends, running backs, and they just try to build a young core around Patrick Mahomes that's going to be cheap. Um, and then they try to develop them and bring them along like they did Rasheed Rice this year. I think the Chiefs go offensive weapon in rounds one, maybe round two as well. And I think that if you're ever going to trade up to go out and get a wide receiver, like a blue chipper, like go out and get a blue chip wide receiver, this is the draft to do it in. Now, you're not going to trade up and get a Roma Dunze, Malik Neighbors, Marvin Harris. Like those guys are those guys are out of reach. Like they are. Like you're talking about trading up from 32 to five, right? Like that's just yeah. not going to happen. Yeah, I'm that's not going to happen. But there's plenty of guys in this draft that are that have wide receiver one talent that you could trade up into in the 20s and possibly and possibly nab if if one of them's there. Um, so I think that you're going to see the Chiefs. The Chiefs don't need seven draft picks this year. Like like walk away with four good players on offense out of this draft. And that's good. Like we've gotten spoiled that we think that Brett Veach is going to hit on a seventh rounder every single year. That's just, that's not reality. The reality is that, is that your fifth, sixth and seventh round draft picks are lottery tickets that, that a lot of times don't even make the roster on most NFL squads. Right. And so, and so the fact that, that we can't count on those to be contributors year in and year out. So if you can use those as trading chips to move up in a mid round and get a guy in the second or third round that you have your eye on that possibly has slid further down the draft board than you expected, then go out and do it. Just make sure that it's a Rashi Rice and not a Sky Moore. Like that's, that's what you got to do. Like yeah. this is the off season where the scouting department has to hit on offensive weapons. Like this is like that's like that's the key to this offense is in the draft. Are you going to hit on offensive weapons? Are you going to get Rashi Rice? You're going to get Sky Moore, right? We can't afford to go out and, and trade up and get a John Baldwin in the first round of this draft, right? You know, you got to at least get a Dwayne Bow, you know, or something like that. So, I mean, I, in my opinion, that's that's kind of where the success of the offense offense of the off season, excuse me. Um, hinges on is 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 how good do they do at scouting their offensive weapons in this draft? The Chiefs are very much in a luxury position right now, aren't they? With uh, with the draft this year, because um, like you said, the defense is sorted. I mean, apart from obviously a couple of players that need signing, but um, other than that, the the defense is pretty much sorted. Um, it's been proven that it is it's world class this defense right now. So you're right. I think the offense has to be tweaked and tuned a little bit more and I think there will be some uh, some players moving on from the offense so you're going to have to fill those gaps in there but I think after what we've seen from some of the production from the offense this year I think those gaps are going to easily be filled with rookies <laughs> I really do I think I think the level has not been that high in certain positions let's say um, especially the wide receiver position so I think you're right I think if the Chiefs can uh, can do well in the draft, but not be go crazy with it. Like you said, try and trade in away players and for more picks and stuff like that. I don't think they will. I don't think they'll do that. I think you're right. I think they'll just settle with what they've got and just tweak it a little bit. Maybe get a, a wide receiver or two in, uh, in 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 free agency. Well, yeah, and also with 
Speaking of free agency and wide receivers, you're going to see a trickle down effect, I think, because the wide receiver class is is deep. It's a very, very deep and talented wide receiver class this year. So I think you're going to see your top end wide receivers in the free agent class kind of taking deals early on, taking them fast because they, they don't want to wait until the draft. And then you're going to see teams that once those top guys, those T Higgins, those Michael Pittman juniors, those Calvin Ridley's Mike Evans guys are off the board sitting and waiting till after the draft before they pursue wide receivers, Mm -hmm. right? You're going to, there's going to be a lot of mid-level veteran guys that find themselves fighting for roster spots this year because teams have replaced the, the spot that they would have had and they would have signed them in free agency with a rookie in this draft with a cheap rookie. So um, I think after the draft, you're going to see some get some more, some like a second wave of wide receivers get signed. And maybe that's the area where chiefs start to go shopping. Mm-hmm. Uh, just while we touched on the defense there, I just want to give a shout out to uh, somebody I was speaking with on, uh, on Twitter recently or X as it's called now. Um, and it was basically brought up a nickname that I mentioned. God, it must, it might have been either the beginning of the season or beginning of last season or something where I said um, the Chiefs' all line should be called the Great Barrier Chiefs. Now he's saying this is Fred Rocket uh, um, or Fred underscore Rocket on Twitter. And he basically said, why don't we just call the defense that? And I thought, you know what? The guy's onto something. The guy is onto something. The Great Barrier Chiefs should be called the Chiefs' defense. Um, let's see if it happens. I don't know. I'd... You write articles, Rocky? Do you, you want to use that? You know, I actually tried. Um, I tried one time using back when you first coined Great Barrier Chiefs. Yeah, that was a, that was last season, I think. Yeah, it was last season or season before. I was writing an article that same week, and I had called the Chiefs defense like the Gray Wall of Chiefs Kingdom or something like that. Oh, right. And and uh, our, our our esteemed editor. Pete Sweeney was like, I'm changing it to Great Barrier Chiefs because that's what Brad had coined <laughs> on social media this week. And my art it got changed in my article. Oh. And I was like, oh, I was like, that's even better. I was like, that's better. I like that so yeah. much better. And so it actually it, when he when we were editing the story, he uh we switched it out for Great Barrier Chiefs. And so yeah, no, I've I've been a supporter of Great Barrier Chiefs. You know, since the beginning, I'm well, an OG Great Barrier Chiefs supporter. Let's switch it to the defense now. See if that works. See if it takes. It never took off with the uh, with the all line. So let's see if it takes off with the defense. But <laughs> yeah, anyway. I like it. Great Barrier Chiefs. <laughs> yeah, it's not a bad name. When I said it to Tom on the show once, he was like, "Oh my god, that's amazing." Um, but uh, yeah, it, just while we're on Tom as well, um, unfortunately, Tom couldn't make the show this week because uh, he's actually been ill quite some time actually believe it or not um i, I don't want to go into the gory details of it but uh yeah it's um it's not it's not pretty put it that way but uh, he's been off work so he obviously can't uh, can't do a podcast this week with us but uh, so we got rocky on i uh, i'll stop poisoning your pints at some point tom when i <laughs> when i want to be on the I was show gonna say, are you doing uh, something to him rocky you know, if you'll just if you'll just declare me like the uh the official you know yankee of of the of the great British chiefs show and just make me part of the crew. I won't have to just poison Tom every single time I want to come on the show, you know, and I'll, I'll stop uh, putting cleaning solution in his pints of beer when he has his head turned. <laughs> yeah. I think we've found out where, uh, yeah, where Tom's illnesses are coming from right now, but uh, no, I appreciate it. Rocky. You've, uh, you've been great again. You stepped in right at the last minute because I thought I was going to be recording with Tom and then all of a sudden he couldn't make it. So uh, Rocky stepped in 
yet again. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. So, uh, yeah, thanks very much, Rocky, for uh, for joining us again on the Great British Chiefs show. Right, that's all we've got time for this week. And, unfortunately, it's the end of the season, which means the Great British Chiefs show won't be back until next season, hopefully. Uh, we'll have a chat with Pete Sweeney and Stephen Serder and see if we can get us back on again for next season. But uh, I just wanted to say before we go, Thank you so much to everybody who's listened to this podcast. Um, me and Tom always say that we feel very privileged to be recording these shows and just enjoying ourselves throughout the season and just having a laugh and uh, being able to produce these shows for your enjoyment as well as ours. It's uh, it, it really is a pleasure. And uh, we just want to thank everybody for tuning in and listening into everything that we talk about and all the reviews that we've had as well, because uh, some of the reviews we've had this year have been outstanding. And uh, thank you again to everybody who's written a review on the Apple podcast. And if you haven't already, please let us know how you think the show's been throughout the season. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts on the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network. And you never know, we might read a few more out in the new season, but um, hopefully... It won't be too long before we're actually in front of a mic again so we can talk to you all again. And, well, all that's left to say here is from one kingdom to another, we'll speak to you again soon. Hey there, it's Pete Sweeney from Arrowhead Pride, and I'm excited to announce a new element of the Arrowhead Pride experience for diehard Chiefs fans. It's our brand new newsletter, Arrowhead Pride Premier. Arrowhead Pride Premier is a newsletter delivered to your inbox twice a week from me. For $50, you'll get an annual subscription packed with insider coverage from yours truly and new in-depth analysis from voices around Kansas City. It's all about what I'm seeing and hearing around the team. During the season, we'll deliver a newsletter ahead of each game to get ready for Sunday and a newsletter after after each game to unpack exactly what happened. Subscribe to Arrowhead Pride Premiere today at arrowheadpride.com slash subscribe. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.